Welcome back to Relish the Journey and another installation of my Her Stories and Housing line of content. My guest today is Beverly Matter. Beverly is a senior vice president with Fifth Third Bank, and we're going to talk about, as you'll soon hear, her journey into the home building industry and a little bit behind the scenes on the lending side of home building. So without further ado, here is Beverly. All right. Well, Beverly, thanks for joining me on your drive to lunch. I'm glad we could squeeze this in. Yes. Yes, I greatly appreciate uh, the opportunity and you're working with my schedule. Yeah, no problem. So your name is Beverly Matter, and according to LinkedIn, you're a senior vice president with Fifth Third Bank. But Correct. in your words, tell us a little bit about you know who you are and what you do. Um, that's correct. I am an SVP with Fifth Third. I am in the National Commercial Real Estate Group I'm in the Home Builder Banking Division. So my focus is on providing financing for um, public and private builders across the United States. Great. And so how does one get to be a senior vice president at a bank? What is that? What is that journey like? Well, um, you know, it has uh, twists and turns along the way. Uh, I started out of college in a, a management training program. I was a finance major at University of Florida, uh, ended up um, taking a job in the management training program at Barnett Bank, which is no longer in, in existence, was taken over by another bank um, and kind of started my career from there. Uh, at that time, I wasn't in the home builder realm or real estate at all. I was just in um, commercial and corporate banking, but ended up um, via a move working for a small bank for a while uh, with just a handful of branches that had an active home builder portfolio that I ended up taking over and getting involved with. Back then, I was doing the inspections for draws. I was uh, back then writing out hand tickets for things. And so that was kind of my entree into the home builder world. Uh, then I ended up uh, back at a large bank, was out of the, the home builder sector for a while until I got a call from the headhunter saying, hey, uh, you know, XYZ Bank needs somebody for home building. We heard you have experience. And that's kind of how it all unfolded from there. Um, and just over the years, um, you know, moving up with more experience and and uh, ending up where I am today. Nice. So you said you had some experience in just regular, you know, quote unquote, regular lending before the home right. home building side. So what is right. it about being in the home building and real estate side of things that kind of that drew you in what do you uh, how, how would you compare the two and what made you sort of pick this one to pursue well it's been a long time since i've been on the corporate commercial side but uh i would say that it when you drive around and you see something that you know you were involved in financing or that you know you're providing um financing that leads to home ownership for people that is really rewarding and you can, you know, look at a space that used to be vacant or, um, you know, had a completely different purpose and then see 
a beautiful community uh, there that that was not there before you were involved is is very rewarding and and I enjoy um, even you know and community stay for many years so when I travel to different places and see projects that I was involved in you know 10 15 years ago and now they're in vibrant communities that is just very exciting and rewarding to me yeah I imagine that would be neat like you said just driving up and you could point it out and remember the deal and how it came to be exactly so I'm just thinking how to word this I guess how do those how does it happen like how does the deal happen do people just come to you guys or do you have salespeople in a way that seek out these different builders and developers and pitch using your bank over another bank well in my role as relationship manager and this has been true throughout my career uh we are the salespeople. Uh, there aren't separate salespeople. We're also um, oftentimes the underwriter for the deal. So not only will um, myself and, and others like me be out um, marketing the bank to a builder and and looking for business, but if there is a business opportunity, we'll also be reviewing financial information, um, doing the necessary underwriting um, to present a deal for approval. Interesting. So you do it all. Yes. So does that is that come easy to you being a finance major and I'm sure very good at the numbers? Did you have to sort of teach yourself the sales aspect? Well, we get training on that. Like I had training on that early on when I was in uh, in the management training program um, many years ago. But I think you learn it over time. Uh, you watch other people. When I first started. Um, calling on clients. I was doing that with a more senior officer at the time. Uh, over time, you pick up on uh, tips and, and, and then there's ongoing training along the way. And I think it's, you know, mostly talking to people. Uh, if you can get along with people and have a conversation with someone you've never met before about a topic that you're both interested in, it just evolves naturally. Sure. Yeah, uh, that's you just described podcasting. <laughs> that's really what it is. So I, I can relate to that for sure. Well, and, you know, they have a need and you have um, a way to meet their need. So you just have to match that up. And so, you know, you're, it's not like you're talking to someone that doesn't want to talk to you. You you both have an interest um, in the end goal. Mine being to provide financing and theirs being to meet, you know, fulfill a capital need that they have. Right, right. And you've mentioned that it's, you know, it's been a little bit since you were not on the whole building side. So what are some ways that you think um, financing has changed in the course of your career? That's an interesting question. It ebbs and flows, as I'm sure you're aware, with um with market conditions, sometimes financing is tighter, sometimes looser, depending on how the economy is doing or how the specific sector is doing. Um, in general, I think that if I if I think back to uh, my early early lending experiences, it was all very committee driven back then, where. Um, it was a very formal process, and it was also, I would say, more local, where you would write up your presentation, 
there would be a specific day where senior members of the company would and and all the lenders that were um, trying to get a deal approved would come into the same meeting room and you know if you um, if you wanted a deal done you had to wait until that meeting day and depending on how large the financing was you could have to do that two times because there was two different committee levels so that really doesn't happen anymore um, in the larger banks i haven't worked under that scenario in oh gosh probably over 20 years um, so so that's a one way that has changed but that interestingly enough was a good place to learn because you were seeing other lenders who were more senior to you the way that they presented their deals um, the questions that the loan committees asked what was important what wasn't uh, and so that was a great way to learn um, something that now is really done via phone. Yeah, or even right. You see all these uh, commercials for Rocket Mortgage. And it's push button get mortgage. It's not push <laughs> right. button wait for two committee meetings and then maybe get a mortgage. It's all moving much faster now. Right, and and just to differentiate, because people often think that I'm a residential mortgage lender um, loaning to individuals. Uh, for their um, personal home financing, but that's not what I'm doing. I'm lending directly to the residential home builders and developers, okay. uh, which is, you know, at the corporate level versus at the consumer level. Right. So that's a great <laughs> differentiator there. How, how does that differ, right? I know if I'm going to get a mortgage, I have to bring X amount of pay stubs and you know, all the stuff for the personal side, is it the same sort of thing when you're dealing with the business that's actually building the houses or are there differences? I would say at a very high general level, it's similar in that you're presenting both parties, whether they be corporate or individuals, are presenting financial information to be considered to obtain a loan. But individuals, to your point, are providing things like personal tax returns, personal financial statements, case studs, that kind of thing. With the clients that I work with, they are typically building and delivering hundreds or even thousands of homes per year. Some are public companies, some are private entities. Um, both would be providing uh, corporate financial statements that would be analyzed. And the loans would be not for just one home, but for multiple homes uh, the construction of multiple homes, the con oftentimes also the purchase of land and development of that land for building residential homes on it. Gotcha. So it's much different. And it also is not uh, house by house lending. It's a, a larger facility that typically revolves and can be used to build hundreds of houses, thousands of houses, depending on the size over and over as, as one house pays off, a new house would, you know, could come back on depending on, on the size of a line and the mechanics of it. Uh, so that's, that's a large difference between the two. Sure. And so what, what do you think is a misconception that people have when it comes to money and the home building process, you know, as a consumer or as a home builder, is there like a typical 
frequently asked question you find yourself having to answer all the time or educate people on a certain topic all the time? Well, as I said, I'm always dealing with companies and the companies that I am targeting are typically on, uh, there is a Builder 100 and a Builder 200 list uh, that Builder Magazine puts out. Uh, Not everybody reports to it, so that's kind of a broad generalization. We certainly, you know, I certainly deal with companies that aren't on that list at all, but it it kind of gives you a sense of uh, these folks are sophisticated, uh, so they're they're not usually asking uh, questions or not understanding what what the financing world looks like and what they can expect. It's pretty typical that they are seasoned uh, in the, the different types of loans that um, a company like mine would be putting together and they know the process just as well as I do. So, you know, their banks differ a little bit, uh, but in general, you know, they know the questions, they know what the expectations will be. And, and it, honestly, um, in lending in that way, it's analyzing companies' financial statements, which is similar to just regular corporate lending, which is what I did at the beginning of my career. So that was a nice segue between the two um, versus just analyzing project financing, which can be very specific. Sure. Yeah. And so when it comes to those big builders, like you mentioned, Builder 100, 200, I know some of those names and they're they're massive. Um, yes. Someone I recently had on here, we were talking about lobbying in D.C. She was a lobbyist on behalf of the home building industry. Is that something that you find yourself getting involved in is these bigger macro trends and discussions and how they would affect your day-to-day? Is that something that you have to stay abreast of or is it something that I'm sure that might be a whole other department in, in your company? <laughs> Um, you know, it's something that, that we stay aware of, obviously, if it's going to affect the lending industry or there will be a big impact on the building community. Um, you know, that's something that we keep our eyes and ears open for, but I don't have any direct involvement in that. Gotcha. Probably for the best, right? That's a, that's a whole other animal I learned talking to her. It's, it's pretty wild, everything that it takes to get some very simple things that we have, you know, sort of deal with every day into the uh, general conscience. I'm sure. I'm sure it's much more complicated than any of us imagine. Yeah. So that's a good overview of, you know, sort of your, the business side to you, right? And how that works. I think I've got a good understanding there. But talk to me a little bit more about you. Beverly the person, not the SVP, right? What's, uh, (laughs) how do you keep your sanity with all the, the numbers swirling around your head? And, uh, you know, everything that goes on, I I know building can be very hectic and stressful, and I'm sure that the lending side can be just as so. What's what's the way that you stay sane? Well, I work with a great team of people, so we're all very supportive of each other, and that really helps. Um, I also um, have a significant other. My partner, Rob, um, is, you know, we... Uh, He's in the appraisal industry, uh, not in home building, in a different part of of real estate appraising. But uh, we we kind of have an understanding of what each other does and the stressors that can, um, you know, can impact us personally. And so we just, when we come home, try to put that aside and just enjoy each other. And we're fortunate to live in the Tampa Bay area. And so there's lots of things to do in this area. 
Uh, so we try to take advantage of that and use that as a, as a way to um, relieve some stress. That's great. Yeah, I wish I lived near uh, near the water. I got a cornfield for a backyard, so it's <laughs> a little bit different. More mountains than uh, than the bay. So I'm interested in this whole, you know, the her stories theme, right? It's working at the Innovation Alliance to talk about opportunities for women in the housing industry, and mm-hmm. you know, when I think of a typical one. Banking does come to mind. I know a lot of the people that I deal with, when I, that I did deal with when I worked in for a housing company, were women in banking. Mm-hmm. Just for personal mm-hmm. things, I've had you know female lenders. Do you see it as you know much of a you know weighted one way or another? Like you know, sometimes when I talk to people that you know it's about a woman swinging a hammer, and there's how do you how do you force your way into that generally male dominated path? But I don't necessarily think of banking that way. I'm curious if what you've seen throughout your career, are women getting more involved, staying about the same? Oh, I think women are getting much more involved. When I first started in the industry um, and, and got into the commercial real estate and uh, specifically the home building sector, but really the commercial real estate sector in general, almost every company that I worked for, I was working with all men or there was only one other woman. Uh, And that has really changed over time. Uh, There are many, many more women lenders in the industry, which I think is fantastic. And something we talk about, though, is getting uh, younger women interested in the industry and just doing a better job to make sure that on college campuses across the nation that we're reaching out to those real estate programs or finance programs and making sure that people, you know, that we're on their radar screen. Sure. They understand that this is an option when you graduate. Look at this. Exactly. Exactly. That they can be thinking about it um, beforehand. I just kind of fell into it. And most people, when we have those type of, of conversations, other women will say the same thing that oftentimes they just fell into the, the career. And it would be nice if we could um, do a better job in educating uh, people that are in college or people that are looking for jobs, uh, that this is an alternative that they could be thinking about. So when you refer to it as an alternative, what's the main you know, path that they're looking at if this is an alternate one? You know, I don't have the answer to that question, but oftentimes I think that uh, I have two daughters in college. Um, Rob, my significant, excuse me, my significant other also has two sons in college. And when you talk to them about what they're thinking about doing, you know, oftentimes careers like either he or I have, they don't even think about they don't, you know, and I don't know what exactly they think about. They think about a lot of different things, but I don't think they have a full understanding um, of what the possibilities are. And and I don't think either of us did either, you know, when we were coming out of school. And I think that's probably the exception more than the rule or people think that they know specifically what they want to do. And then they end up doing something completely different or end up not liking what they thought that they would like. And there's just so many facets to the home building and commercial real estate industry that are very interesting and and can lead you to a whole 
host of different paths, um, whether it be finance or building or land planning. Um, I know some folks in the industry that all started out as CPAs and have gone on to be land planners and um, involved in architecture of the home and the specific plans and the the layouts of communities and all kinds of very, what I would consider to be artsy or creative types of things, which you really don't normally associate with someone who's on, you know, a CPA or finance path, but has turned out to be a great career for them and they're very good at it, but something that wouldn't be obvious at the at the onset, I think. Right. Yeah, I think when I was in college, I think students tend to think in the broad, right? Like, like right. I majored in finance. I'm just going to go work in finance. And it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Or I'm going to work exactly. in business and business can go, you know, hundreds of thousands of different ways. It's rare that, like you exactly. said, someone goes in and says, I'm going to be a blank. And it's just five word right. long title that's super niched out. But yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. So I think that if, you know, we continue to talk about um, ways that we can better educate people on what some of the opportunities would be and what that really looks like, not just an, a name like a CPA or uh, someone working in the financial sector, but exactly what does that look like? What do we do day to day? What would be a career path? Um, I know I certainly didn't know what the onset and it has been, um, you know, exciting and challenging and uh, fascinating along the way to uh, meet the, the different types of people that I've met, uh, different areas of the country that I've been had the opportunity to uh, visit and become familiar with, and and just the way each different type of company works is you know is very interesting, and I don't think that's something that a younger person coming into the industry would think about. Yeah, I really agree with what you said about the day to day. And not just the, I, I think all too often we get infatuated with the idea of something like the prestige that's associated with being the CPA that you brought up. But I remember, you know, I started as a marketing intern and then marketing assistant. And I've joked for a few years now that if I ever went back and I was going to be a college professor for marketing, the first day of class, we wouldn't open the textbook. I would have them, you know, print, fold, stuff, address, and stamp a thousand letters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and say, okay, welcome to your first day in marketing. You know, still want to do it because you're not going to walk into a management position on day one. You're going to be doing this sort of thing until exactly you get that bone thrown your way of a special project. And I agree, there's not enough out there really showing what it's truly like. It's romanticizing all the different professions. Exactly. And then you, you get people that, you know, spend all this money and go into an incredible amount of debt for a career that they realize they hate and then they have to pivot and hopefully they can, but not all of them do. Exactly. Exactly. That's very true. And having, uh, between Rob and I, four children in college, uh, hoping for careers. We're, we're very, uh, very tuned into that and, and, you know, hope that they all find something that they find rewarding and, you know, and that makes them happy. Right. Yeah, and internships, that's what I tell everybody is get as many internships yeah. as possible because that's when you'll realize the, the letter stuffing analogy, you know, and then exactly. really know what it's like and what to expect. 
exactly. I I would recommend that as well. I think that that way you see, I mean, every job has a, a mundane part to it. Um, I heard a young person recently saying, you know, I, I don't like things that are tedious. And I thought to myself, well, none of us do, but everything, every job has parts to it that are tedious. The details, you know, those, those different things that are means to an end. And there's, you know, very exciting, rewarding parts to it. And then there's just the, you know, the part that has to be done to get to the end or to get to those other parts. Right. Yeah. It's oftentimes the tedious things that pay the bills. <laughs> so you can't just exactly. ignore them. Paperwork's exactly. got to get done. Yeah. Exactly right. We've talked about this next topic in uh, kind of some abstract ways, but to bring it in more specific when we talk about innovation, right? So we've gone from those committees to the idea that you can push a button on your phone and apply for a mortgage. But what other areas do you see in home building and the finance surrounding home building? What, what areas do you see that are innovating and what areas do you see that have room for innovation? Well, I think innovation is the number one topic of conversation um, that I hear as I interact with different builders and interact um, at different conferences that um, that cover the sector. It's it's definitely the hot topic these days, whether it be uh, doing more to build off site, por- you know, portions of the homes off site to make it the building more efficient, you know, to be more environmentally friendly, to have less waste in construction, um, you know, which helps the builders margins, which is obviously something profitability margins, excuse me, to be specific, um, which obviously helps them and their businesses to be financially stronger um, and assist them in obtaining the type of capital that they would like to uh, attract, whether that be financing or bond issuances or equity issuances. Um, The strength of their financials is very important to them and and their cash flow uh, is all a result of them being as efficient as as they can be um, when they're producing their products. Absolutely. Any specific ways you've seen that innovation take place? Some homes require more customization than others, I would say. And so to be able to do that and still be doing a lot offsite, I think is more of a challenge. Uh, but it, I, I'm always interested to hear the different ways that builders are coming up with things. And as I said, some are farther down that path than others. But it is is definitely uh, something that's happening in the future. Another thing that is relatively new and being talked about more and more is building single-family homes and renting them. I think when most of us think of rentals, we think of apartment complexes and the single-family for rent Um, on a a wider scale really came out of the last recession. And instead of being something that was just a means to get out of the recession, it has really turned out to have some staying power in the industry. industry, And I think it will be around for the foreseeable future. I only hear more and more talk about it. So that's a portion of the industry that's new and innovative. And I think for people who uh, need to move, um, around for their jobs, whether it be to take a new position or to take an even a new position within their own company um, that has possibly divisions in different parts of the country. A lot of times they might only be somewhere 
for two or three years. And so to have the opportunity to still have a single family home, to, but to be able to rent that, I could see how that would be attractive as um, our nation becomes much more mobile and people kind of don't stay in their hometown and live there forever like they did many years ago. Yeah, it also helped with first-time homebuyers anywhere, right? Because then you're not trying to – the down payment is oftentimes the biggest hurdle when we talk exactly. about those four and, kids in college and student loans. and Exactly. And it's also a means for people um, that have maybe only lived in multifamily housing to test it out, see what it's like, um, you know, understand that, um, you know, what it means to be – keeping up yards or, or know that someone is and to be dealing with some things that maybe apartment dwellers don't, don't deal with, um, in the same way. And a lot of the companies, uh, also have ways that if people are renting, they have programs where that renting can turn into owning over time. Um, you know, that they can, it, there's a mechanism for them to begin saving for that down payment that you mentioned, um, or to help possibly clean up credit if that's something that's preventing someone from building a home. So the industry is really uh, focused on the needs of the consumers and uh, trying to innovate in ways to help more people um, be able to access single family living. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm curious about when you when you started in the industry, uh, a woman among all the men, right? Like. <laughs> What was a, did you get a, any piece of advice or some wisdom handed down to you from someone that you still think about today? Um, not really about being in the industry itself, but about, um, about, I would say you could apply this to any industry or any, any company. I remember meeting with this gentleman and he wasn't a home builder, but he was in the development business and said, it's not always about the top line. It's about the bottom line. So just because you're growing revenues, if your profits aren't increasing, it doesn't really matter if, if your revenues are growing, because if you're not, if that growth is costing you so much that, that you're not seeing it at the bottom line, then it doesn't make sense to do. So bigger, as they say, is not always better. Right. And I think that that was a good lesson. But sometimes you see you know, over the many, many years, um, whether it be in the home building industry or in other types of industries that I've dealt with in the past, you do sometimes see that where um, someone's trying sometimes just to grow for the sake of growth without really realizing that that growth isn't necessarily flowing through to the bottom line. Um, And I think it's a good lesson. Yeah, or how you're financing that growth. You mentioned cash flow briefly before. And it's it's wild to hear about all these businesses, right? I don't get it. They had a hundred million dollars in revenue. Why'd they go out of business? Right. It's like, well, they have right. no cash. And when that dries up, there's not much you can do. Right. Right. And I think the industry, the, the real estate industry, you know, definitely learned some lessons um, from the recession. I think that in general, uh, companies are much more mindful of those types of things and, and doing more to kind of always have that in the back of their minds that, you know, tomorrow may might bring, uh, you know, a different scenario and, and they're more ready, I, I think, for those uh, fluctuations in the market. And this industry has always been cyclical. So, you know, there are folks out there that have always, always planned that way. But I, I just think that it, it brought it even more to the forefront because it was, you know, such a deep recession. Sure. So that, I mean that's that's great 
that's a great tidbit. So if you had to be that person sharing advice with the next generation of women coming into the home building sector, be it in finance or otherwise, what would be a piece of advice you'd share? You know, I would say um, don't be afraid of it. Ask questions. Um, There's nothing wrong with asking a question. I even have been in meetings with very senior people in the industry, and they'll ask a question that I would think that they certainly already knew, and maybe they just want to hear what that person's answer is. But, you know, it's you should always be curious and be asking questions about what's going on and, um, and not be afraid to sit at the table and to ask those questions and to, you know, in other words, don't, don't shy away and think that you can't do it. You certainly can. And if you feel that you don't know enough, then, then ask and find ways to, to learn what you don't know. Yeah. I love that. Cause it's okay to feel like you don't know enough, but if you never ask, you're never going to learn and then know exactly. Enough. So that's a great point. Exactly. As I've heard someone say, no question is a stupid question. <laughs> yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I think we all have, um, whether it be women or men, you know, apprehension in asking something that we, we feel like we should know, but we don't. I, I have, I see people do emails this way and I have to say I've done it as well, starting off with, this may be a stupid question, but, you know, whatever. And I think we all, we all think we should know more than we do. And so we're afraid to ask. Right. But then once you realize that everyone feels that way, there's no reason to be afraid. Right. So. Right. And then often, right. And then oftentimes you'll get like five other people later who will say, I'm so glad you asked that question because I was wondering that too. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. So if as you, you know, reflect on your career and housing in general and, everything that's brought you to this conversation with me right now, how would you sum up that journey of yours in three words? You know, I would say um, surprising, uh, challenging, and rewarding. Uh, I think at the beginning of uh, my career in banking, I never would have imagined um, all the different things, um, you know, that I've done, um, I've been able to, um, you know, see projects go from, you know, an empty field or a blighted building to a beautiful new community, all types of different housing, big, small, you know, expensive, affordable, all across the country has, has really been interesting and just a different, um, the way different companies um, operate and what drives them one versus another has been very interesting. Um, And, you know, just challenging in the sense that the industry is cyclical. So, uh, you know, I've certainly lived through a couple of recessions in the industry and uh, that has been challenging um, along the way, but a lot of lessons learned and, you know, things to look out for in the future um, and then just rewarding, as I said back in the beginning of our conversation, when you just uh, can look and, and know that, I mean, my part is cer- certainly a small part in the creation of a community, um, but to know that I had even a little something to do with it is rewarding. Excuse me, is rewarding. Yeah, that's great. Those are great three. See, that wasn't so hard, right? No. 
most people, you know, roll their eyes. I can hear them roll their eyes when I ask that question. <laughs> even though I can't right, see like, them. Right. It's the dreaded three words question. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything that we did not cover in our conversation that you want to make sure the world hears before we wrap this up? As a, a woman in the industry, a lot of times, you know, I have children. A lot of other women that I work with have children and uh, families. And, and sometimes that can be challenging to think that you can travel and you can, you know, be there when you need to be and you can really have the career. And you really can. I think that I was a single mother and with my girls, you know, I think that they learned that, you know, they they could do anything that they wanted to do and that you didn't didn't have to. It didn't mean that you can't have a family or that you can't have a career hand in hand, that you really can do that and that there are ways to do that. I had great support in the schools that they went to with aftercare programs, which were very enriching for them. And also um, great friends um, and family that were willing to help along the way. More friends, I would say, than family, just because I don't have family living in Tampa. But, you know, I think I was fortunate to have some um, other moms as friends who also either owned their own companies or or had um, demanding jobs. And so we would help each other. And I would just encourage people to um, strive for what they want to do and and have people and try to surround them with people that will support them and that they would also reciprocate and support as well. For sure. It's the old, well, there's a will, there's a way mindset, right? Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Beverly, thank you. I appreciate your time today. This has been fun. All right. Thank you so much. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you to Beverly Manor for being our guest. And I want to make sure I point out that Beverly was speaking as her own self today. And everything that she mentioned does not necessarily reflect her company, Fifth Third Bank, like we mentioned her, her views and opinions aren't necessarily that of the banks. So it was all Beverly, and we do appreciate it. And I appreciate all of you for listening. If you haven't done so already, please, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And be sure to check us out on all the social media channels. We're at at RTJ Podcast. And if you ever want to email me and tell me how much you like the show, how much you hate the show, or anything in between, I'd love to hear from you. I'm at Miles, that's M-Y-L-E-S, at RTJ Media. Dot com. And until next time, cheers.